All right, John chapter 6 today is where we're going to be at. Jesus as the bread of life. So if you're there, we're going to read verses 1 through 40 to begin. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, and so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This indeed is the prophet who has come into the world, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because of a strong wind that was blowing, and when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. And coming near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but, this, but that, this that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they, went, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Father, we thank You for uh, being our bread. 
Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are life. Uh, God, everything that we crave and desire that is good, um, Father, you fulfill it all in Jesus. And Lord, I, I pray that you would give us an appetite for spiritual things. I pray, Father, that you would change our desires. I pray that you would strengthen our inner person. And God, that we would, we would seek the bread that, that brings about eternal life and not the bread that perishes. Father, I pray, God, that your spirit would teach us this morning. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it says that uh, Jesus went across the sea and that there was a large crowd uh, that was following him, okay? Uh, there's a large crowd that was following him because they saw the signs. If you'll notice, John is really consistent about describing Jesus' miracles as signs, and I believe he does that because a sign points to something, right? And so, in other words, these were not just great tricks that Jesus could do. These were actually miracles, miraculous events that were pointing to spiritual realities. This was Jesus' identity. It was pointing to Jesus' character. It was pointing to Jesus' authority over death and disease and demons and disasters and deaths. That's the way we describe it in God's story. They're, they're pointing to what would the kingdom of God be like when Jesus reigns. They're, they're giving us a preview, a, a glimpse of a time when there will be no more death or disease or brokenness or lack, and Jesus will fix and restore all things. And so you got all these people that are following Jesus because of the crowds. And when Jesus says a large crowd, I mean, it was a large crowd. It says there's 5,000 men. Okay, if you have 5,000 men and, and most of those men have families, and you could probably assume that this is a crowd somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe fifteen to 20,000 people. I, we, we don't know exactly. We know there were 5,000 men there. And so, you know, they're probably counting households. And, and so this, this is a lot of people. This is a city worth of people, okay? And by, by the way, when you, when you look at this miracle, it's mentioned in all four Gospels. I think it's the only miracle that all four Gospels talk about. And, and it had to be because so many people witnessed it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know um, if you're a skeptic. I, I don't know how you would dismiss this miracle. Um, just because so many people saw it, and then it's written and distributed all over um, the, 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 all, the, the entire world, really, of that time. So, so just, just take this example, okay? Um, five or six years ago, I don't even know how long, maybe it was 10, I, I don't remember, but George, President George Bush came to our city, right, to, to order Oklahoma, and he spoke. I was there. Probably a lot of you guys were there. Okay, now, if, if somebody writes a book about that, all right, if there's a new book that's written about President George W. Bush, and it says that uh, part of the book says he came to Woodward, Oklahoma, you know, in um, the summer of whatever year that was, and he gave a speech, and then after the speech, you know, he, he pulled out this little tray of steaks, and, and all of a sudden, he begins to cut these steaks, and he begins to give them out, you know, and he's cutting steaks, and pretty soon, everybody has a, a filet mignon, a T-bone, you know, and, and people are eating, and the entire crowd eats, and, and more steaks come, and then more people come, and, and, G, and George W. Bush keeps giving out steaks. Okay, if that's written, what are you and I going to say? Hey, we were there. That didn't happen, you know? I mean, it was, it was a good speech, but I got no steak, right? Like, you got no steak. I, we, we, none of us got that. That didn't happen. There, there was no full course meal when Georgia, and what would we all say? We would all say, hey, that, that guy's lying, right? There's a whole city of people. Actually, there wasn't that many people there. There was, I don't know, maybe three or 4,000, maybe. I, I don't know. There certainly wasn't 15 like this event, but all three or 4,000 of us would testify that that didn't happen, Right? And so you obviously have an authentic miracle witnessed by a multitude of people, all right? So the crowd was large. And then Jesus turns to Philip, okay? He turns to Philip and he says, where are we going to buy bread so that all these people can eat, okay? I, I, love, I love when Jesus asks people to do impossible things. Isn't that great? One of my favorites is when Jesus, you know, tells people, hey, get out of the, you know, get out of the boat. Come on, walk, walk to me on the water. I mean, Jesus is always asking people to do things that really they can't do. They're impossible things. And, and Jesus is commanding Philip to meet a need, but the need is too big. The number of needy, the number of hungry people is too big. 
big for Philip to meet. To meet. Philip's a numbers guy. He does a quick calculation. All right, we're going to need 200 denarii. Denarii is a day's wage for a working man. All right, so however you want to figure that, whatever a working man makes today, 200 days of work, that's about 10 months probably in, in the way that we work. All right, so that, that's essentially 10 months wages. So I don't know, what is that? $25,000, $30,000, 40, 50, somewhere in that neighborhood would be in today's money. And Philip says, we're going to need that much money to buy bread if we could find a place to buy that much bread. And, and, and everybody just gets a little. Um, that's how we know the numbers here are right. He's like, if we had $25,000, dollars $40,000, we could buy enough bread for everybody to get a little piece, you know, just a small portion. Andrew takes a quick assessment of, of what they have. He's like, well, here we got a, a boy that's willing to share, and he's got two fish and five loaves. Uh, in other words, we, we don't have enough. We have insufficient resources. Now, listen up here. If you begin to work with Jesus, if you begin to serve in the kingdom of God, you're going to find yourself in this place a bunch, okay? Can we all just get used to that? Can we all just accept that, you know what? When you step out and say, man, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to share the gospel with my neighbors. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be in children's ministry. I'm, I'm going to serve the youth. I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be a part of an evangelistic. Camp. When you start doing things like that, you are going to find yourself saying, "Okay, the job is big, and I don't have enough." Like, like, please just expect that. I think, I think people think something has gone wrong when that happens. You know, they'll, 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 they'll step out in faith. Okay, I'm going to do this. And immediately, the need is bigger than what they have. Okay, whenever that happens, you should be like, man, I'm on the right track. Okay, because Jesus always puts people in that situation. All right, he knows what he's going to do. It, it says that in John 6. He knows what he's going to do. He actually doesn't need these guys, okay? But, but he's putting them in a situation where they see their insufficiency and they, 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 they've got to depend on his sufficiency, all right? So if you're going to step out in the work of the gospel, expect that is going to happen, all right? So what happens next? Well, you got this unnamed, unknown boy that has a few fish and some rolls of bread, and, and he gives them to Jesus. We don't know what kind of gifts this guy had. We don't know what kind of knowledge this kid had in the scriptures. We don't know if he's a good public speaker. We don't know if he had a good education. We don't know what he went on to be. Here's what we know about this kid. He had a lunch, and he was willing to give it, all right? He, he said, this is what I got, and I'm willing to give what I have to Jesus. Now, remember, again, Jesus doesn't need his lunch, Right? It's not like Jesus sitting around saying, oh, God, we got 20,000 people. Man, if I only had five loaves and two fish, I think I could pull this off. All right? That, that, that is, that's not what's happening here. Okay? Jesus is pulling people. He didn't need the lunch. He didn't need the boy. He didn't need Philip's calculations. He didn't need Andrew's instruction or introduction to the boy. He didn't need the disciples passing out the food. Jesus could have done this any way he wanted. Have you all seen Cloudy with Meatballs? Uh, he could have done that. Okay? Uh, he could have just rained it from the sky. This is the one who spoke the world into existence. He, he didn't need these guys, but Jesus uses people, and he wants you to be used by him. Why, why is it important that Philip gets to be a part of this? Why is it important that these disciples actually hand out the food? Why is it important that afterward they're each holding a basket with full of fragments of the little lunch that they've just fed 15,000 people? Why is that important? Because they get to experience the power and the glory and the goodness and the mercy and the strength of God. Friends, whenever you step out, so many people are afraid to step out. They're afraid to say, well, I, I'm not, I, can't go, I can't go minister to my neighbors. I can't go witness. I can't go on a mission trip. I can't, I, I'm not equipped. Then you're not going to experience the glory and power of Jesus. It is when you step out and you've got this insurmountable big task in front of you and you don't have enough to meet that task, it's when you step out and do that that you begin to experience the power of God. It was a blessing. I, I want to hear more stories, but <clears throat> the St. Louis mission trip got back last night, and, and um, they didn't get to do the park ministry because of COVID that we normally get to do, so it was kind of a bummer, but they got to do a bunch of other stuff, and, and so Avery was just telling me kind of some of the stories about canvassing a bunch of neighborhoods, and so, you know, they knock on the door, and, you know, hey, we represent... 
Central Baptist Church here, and we just like to invite you. Here's where their church is. You know, is there, is, there, is there something we could pray for you about? You know, and she said they got a bunch of no, slam the doors, and they got some. Yeah, you can pray for this. And then, then the next thing would be, well, can I pray for you right now? You know, and well, a lot of people were like, no, 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 none of that. And some of them let them, you know, and, and everyone was just telling me about, you know, opportunities they had to pray. And I was like, when, when you do that, you experience God. You're experiencing God. I mean, what a great opportunity for these students to get to step out and go walk into a neighborhood and begin to proclaim Jesus Christ and begin to ask people if they can call on the God of heaven to bring blessing and salvation to their life. And when you do that, you begin to experience God in new ways. And so Jesus is pulling in. He's pulling in the disciples. He's pulling in this boy. And, 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 and Jesus is about to show his sufficiency. So he has the people sit down. He gives thanks. And then he distributes the food. And the people eat their fill. And verse 11 says, incredibly important phrase, as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. Okay? This is telling you something about what Jesus is able to do in your soul, all right? He, he, is, he is describing here a satisfaction that is as much as you want, all right? Now, when it comes to food, you know there was a lot of food, okay? Uh, because as much as people want, have you ever seen people at a buffet, uh, if you've never seen people at a buffet, have you ever been to our joy ministry? I mean, in our joy ministry, it's like grazing, 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 go through three or four times, and then they leave with, with cartons of food, you know, at, at the end, okay? As much as they wanted, all right? Can I have a roll? Sure. Can I have more fish? Absolutely. I mean, this would have been absolutely unheard of in Jesus' day. These were people that lived by their daily bread. These were people that lived in subsistence, poverty, what would, what would be for us today that. And, and here Jesus is giving them the feast of a king. And then after fifteen to 20,000 people all eat, the disciples gather up the leftovers and every disciple is holding a basket full of food. Leftover after everybody's had as much as they wanted. I, I think this is a message for the disciples. I think these guys need that. These guys are about to step out and try to take the gospel in just a few short years. They're going to be the ones who take the gospel to the end of the earth. And how many times, I bet, were they in an impossible situation facing insurmountable odds and they remembered, hey, Jesus is able, right? Like they, they remembered that basket that they were holding that after they'd fed everybody and everybody had all that they wanted, there was still more. I think there's a message here for every disciple that there's still more of Jesus, of his power and his provision to give. All right, verse 14, the people respond to this saying, man, this is the prophet. Verse 15, they're going to force him to be king. And what does Jesus do? Man, if there were ever evidence that Jesus is not an ordinary man, it's, it's this right here. They're about to, I mean, this is the height of his popularity. The, the people are about to force him to become king. All right, and what does he do? Well, he hightails it in the mountains. You know, he takes off. He, he, he won't allow him to do that. He goes up in the mountains by himself, essentially hides. Sun goes down. Disciples get in the boat. They're going to Capernaum. They're not sure when Jesus is going to join them. And then in verse 22, everybody gets up early on the next day. And what are they doing? They're looking for Jesus. They can't find him. They know there's only one boat. They know the disciples took off in that boat, but he's not there. They can't find him anywhere there. So they all get in boats, and they, they go across to follow the disciples. And there's this great little phrase in verse uh, 24. Says so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. I've got that underlined in my Bible. They're go, they're going seeking Jesus. Now, is that a good thing? Well, I mean, how could you answer that? No, right? right? Obviously, it's got to be a good thing, right? That they're seeking Jesus. But what we quickly find out is that there are better and worse reasons for why people seek Jesus. So, I mean, it's interesting to think about this. Like, like 
So when people come to church, for instance, and, and particularly people that are not coming to church out of a habit, but they're coming to church because their hearts are moved and they feel a sense of, I, I, I need, I need Jesus, I, I, I'm in need, he can meet my need. When, when people come in that way, it's interesting to ask, why are they coming? What are they seeking from Jesus? What is their motive? What, 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 what are they expecting to get from Jesus? And, and so let, let's just pause, and, and I want you to try to answer that in your own mind. What do you want from Jesus? So I, I hope you're here this morning, not just out of religious obligation. I hope you're here this morning actually because you want Jesus. You want more of him. And, and, and you're, so, so answer the question, like, like, what are you hoping to gain from finding Jesus? Like, what do you want from him? What, what, what do you want from Jesus? Like fill in the blank. God, if you would just give me, what, what, what goes in that blank in your heart? Give, give just a moment to think about that. What, what do you want from Jesus? Now, while you're thinking about it, let, let, me, let me read you what Jesus says here in verse 27 as he addresses the crowds. He addresses the crowds and, and says this. He says in verse 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're sinking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. All right, so Jesus answers the question for them. He says, well, here's why you're coming after me. You're coming after me because you just saw me feed 20,000 people. And everybody got more than they wanted, and there was leftovers. All right, you're coming after me because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then he says in verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And, and so if you put in the blank, okay, what do you want from Jesus? What are you hoping to find? What are you seeking him for? If you put in the blank, health, wealth, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, strength, wisdom, a new start, mercy for the consequences of your mistakes, a business opportunity to get out of a miserable job, a better family, a best friend, victory over addiction, deliverance from depression, reconciliation in a ruined relationship. If, if that's what you're seeking Jesus for, any of those things, let me just tell you this, it will not be enough. It won't be enough. Let's just put that out there right now. If Jesus gives you that thing, it will not be enough. It won't be enough for you. It, it will run out. It will disappoint. It will fade. It will corrupt. It will eventually leave you empty, betray you, abandon you, and let you down. If it gives you what you want, like you just get to fill in the blank, whatever you put there is not going to be enough. Jesus just made these guys' dreams come true. Free provision. You know, for us, your, your grocery budget is probably not much of your total income. Like we have, we have suburban payments and house payments and insurance payments. You know. Okay, but these people, their grocery bill was probably the main thing in their budget, Okay. And so we could put ourselves in their perspective. Jesus just solved their monetary problems, okay? And they know he can do it again. So he solves them and then they're back the next morning, right? And Jesus says, all of those things are food that perishes. If you're seeking Jesus, hoping he will give you something or a person or a feeling that you crave, it will never be enough. It will never satisfy. The only thing that belongs in that blank, there's just one right answer. The only thing that belongs in the blank is Jesus himself, okay? He is the bread. See, the feeding of the 5,000 was not just a great circus trick, you know, for us to all be wowed and impressed. It's this neon pointing sign that says, this man is what will satisfy your soul and him alone. He alone will satisfy the craving in your soul. You see, 
Jesus is the bread. There's a type of food that is not physical. It's not perishable. It's it's not outward life oriented. There's a type of food that Jesus is talking about that nourishes you on the inside, that refreshes your soul, that makes you right from the inside out. It taps you in to the power of God himself. And Jesus is saying, I am that. I am that. I think there's a lot of people that can't even imagine that. Like they've never thought about it in their entire life. They never thought that they could actually be satisfied from the inside out. Their, their, only, their only dreams and cravings and desires have always been from the outside in. Lord, if you would just give me more money, I would be happy. Lord, if you would just give me the right person, if my wife would just act a certain way, if my husband would just get on board with my plans, if I would just have the opportunities that I deserve, if I would just have the fame and the fortune that people would really know. It's all on the outside. That's all they ever think of. And so when they think of Jesus, they're like, man, can that guy help me with this stuff? Can, can he give me these other things? Because that'd be really cool. There's a lot of people that are in church every Sunday, but they're not looking for Jesus. They're looking that Jesus might give them a meal, a meal of fame or a meal of security or a meal of financial prosperity or a meal of friendships or a meal of whatever that is in their, in their blank, whatever they fill that in. But Jesus is saying something revolutionarily different than that. He's saying, I don't just bring the bread. He is the bread. He's the bread. Friends, you are both physical and spiritual. You have both an inner man and an outer man. And the outer man, the stuff in the outer, can never satisfy you completely or permanently. It's all food that perishes. Emma made homemade bread last night. I'm, just, I'm not just saying this because she's my wife, but she really does make maybe the best bread in the world, okay? I mean, it, it is fantastic. Um, I had two thick slices with my mother's homemade pear jelly, and it was incredible. I mean, fireworks were going off in my taste buds. It, it was so good. Um, I told her later, I was like, every time you make this, I get a stomach ache, you know? But it's, it's just because I fill my stomach too full, right? Listen. You know this. Like, I don't have to tell you this about homemade bread. Like, it will never satisfy your soul. I mean, here's the strange, horrible thing about me. Two hours later, I'm thinking about a bowl of cereal, you know? I mean, I didn't have it, but like, like the thought was, man, I don't I, a lot of times I eat a bowl of cereal before I go to bed, you know? And, and I'm like, man, you just stuffed yourself with half a loaf of bread. And now you're, you know, like the only reason I didn't is just because it just was ridiculous, you know? Like, it, like, I don't need that. I'm not really hungry. Okay, but, but the point is, is true. That kind of bread did not fill my heart with joy that can endure. Now, it was fun eating it, okay, but two hours later, actually 30 minutes later, 20 minutes later, like, the, the joy is gone from the bread. Right? It, it cannot outrun tragedy. That bread cannot sustain me through grief or pain or disappointment. That homemade bread does not fuel some kind of indomitable hope for the future despite the pain of the present. That homemade bread did not fill my soul with purpose and give me a great ambition to reach the world. It's just bread. And guys, that bread, that loaf of bread that Emma made last night, your job is in the same category as that. Your your relationships are in the same category as that. They, They cannot sustain you. I'm going to read it again, verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father has set a seal. But the person of Jesus Christ can satisfy you in ways that bread and jelly and sex and success and money and fame cannot. 
But literally the only thing on the crowd's mind is another meal. Look at, look at verse 30 and 32. Just jump down here to this conversation. Jesus tells them he's the bread. Uh, verse 30, here's what they say. So they say to them, then what sign do you give? So, so Jesus, Jesus tells them, you know, I'm from the Father. Um, I'm doing the works of the Father. Uh, the work of the Father is that you believe. Verse 30, they say to them, what sign do you, do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness as, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. This is embarrassing. Isn't it embarrassing? Like, like he just tells them, I'm, I, I'm what you need. And they're like, well, you know, I'm the prophet come down from God. And they're like, well, what sign do you show us? You know, well, he just fed 20,000 people yesterday, Okay. What sign? And, and then, and then, as if he needs, to, as if they need to drop hints to him, right? What sign do you show? Our father, back in Exodus, you know, he fed the Israelites for forty years in the wilderness with manna. Like, why are they saying that? They're leading him, right? They're like, hey, if you're really that guy, then how about forty years of what we had last night? Real subtle, super subtle. You know the amazing thing about that, though? And Jesus brings this to their attention. Look, look at the end in verse 49. So verse 48, he says again, I am the bread of life. And then in verse 49, he says, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. You see what he's saying? There, there were people that were sustained for 40 years in the wilderness by miraculous, miraculous heavenly provision. And what happened to those people? They died. And worse than that, they didn't make it in the promised land. And worse than that, Hebrews 4 said, most of them perished. And worse than that, Numbers 11 says, even while it was happening, it wasn't enough. God fed them and sustained them completely for 40 years in the wilderness. Was that enough for them? Let me read you Numbers 11. This is uh, after quite a few years of eating manna. Verse four, now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving and the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. You were slaves. They were killing your baby boys. It's funny how we remember things differently, isn't it? Verse six, but now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna. To look at. Man, they it wasn't enough even while they were having it. And I'll tell you the same thing will be true for whatever you put in that blank. If it's a husband or a wife that you crave, let me tell you, even if God gives that, it will not be enough. You'll be in my office within 10 years saying, this guy drives me crazy. <laughs> if only he wasn't here, I could be happy. Right? If it's this business, this job, that oh, if only I could have it. Right? Within a few years, what are you going to be saying? Man, this, I'm a slave to it. It's just crushing me. I got no time off. If it, if it succeeds, you'll be under, under all this pressure. If it doesn't, you'll be under all this pressure. It, it can't do it. But in the person of Jesus, there's life. So, so look at how many times he says that. Um, let's just take a little trip through here. 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Um, verse 47. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Verse 49, your fathers ate this man in the wilderness and died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of the bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I mean, over and over again, Jesus is saying, I am life. Jesus empowers, refreshes, feeds your inner man. Okay, now, if you're still unclear about this inner man, outer man thing, let me, let me show you a couple of verses. So 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17 is one of my favorites that talk about the 
inner and outer man. He says in uh, verse 16, 2 Corinthians 4, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. We do that by faith, by the way. We'll get to that in a second. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul says his outer man is wasting away. So his, his health, his body, his finances, his, he's actually in prison, you know? I mean, he, he's, he's struggling. Ephesians 3, uh, 16, this is a prayer. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the height, length, height, depth. To, the, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I mean, basically Paul says, man, I'm praying for you that you would be strengthened. And immediately we think, yeah, I'm tired, you know. Golly, if I could just get some rest, right? Like, man, it'd be great to get up in the morning and just like have some zip, you know? That's not what he's talking about. That's, that's good. I, I, I like zip too. But, but actually, zip does what? It, it fades, right? For, for a lot of us, zip goes out of us real quick. Like we, our zip doesn't last long. We're, we're drag racers, not marathoners, all right? And, and so, so that's not what he's asking He's saying that you might be strengthened in your inner man. And then he goes on to describe the love of God that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a Red Bull, right? Like, like that, I haven't had one of those yet, but you know, a guy told me the other day, yeah, man, he said, two hours, you just go, you know? And then he's like, then you're kind of cratered. But after, you know, but... That's not what Jesus is, that's not what Paul is praying for. He's not praying for a spiritual Red Bull that, I mean, I just really go. No, he's saying that you might be strengthened on the inside. So how does Christ do that? Or how does that happen? What's the process? Well, okay, so this is super important here, okay? 28 and 29. Here's how this whole thing works, Okay with Jesus being our bread, with him strengthening us on the inside, okay, giving us life on the inside. Here's how it works. Verse 28, then, then they said to him, after he says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that works for food that endures to eternal life. And then 28, they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So they're, they're like, okay, well, I want this. What do I do? And, and here's the answer to that. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That that should be a verse you know. This is the work of God that you believe. Okay, in other words, this whole thing runs on faith. Okay, faith in who Jesus is. If you're not believing who he is, who the Bible says he is, Okay, if, if just that principle that Jesus is life, if you're not believing that, then you don't get bread. Not, not, not the bread of life. Okay, it, it all functions on believing his claims, believing his promises, believing him. And, and that, that belief will enable you to feast on the true bread from heaven. It will fuel your life with Christ. The more you believe, the more you cultivate a desire for fellowship with Jesus. The more you believe that he is life, the more you believe his character, his power, his goodness, his love, his mercy, the more that will fuel your seeking him and satisfy your soul. I think you want examples. I want examples, okay? And so... Um, I'm just giving it a shot here of working out some practical how this might work, okay? So how does Jesus satisfy my soul? Okay, now again, all this works on faith, okay? How does he satisfy my soul? Well, think about this, okay? So let's do some comparisons from the outer man to the inner man, okay? So on the outer man, what what, what do you crave in your outer man? Well, here's some, some things I think everybody craves, Number one, and I don't know how to say this other than the way the Hebrews said it, shalom, 
Uh, I think the way we would say it is wellness. That's kind of the buzzword today, wellness, okay? What, what is wellness? It's those moments in your life where everything is, is good, right? Like, man, people hunger for that, right? There's moments in your life where, like, the kids are good, the marriage is good, the finances are good, like, like everything is, is not in all chaos and disturbed. It's all this smooth, calm. Like, we want that. We want that. We want a season in our life where everybody's doing well. All right, now I don't know if you're ever going to get that in your outward life. Some of you might. Awesome. Pray. You, when it happens, drop to your knees and thank Jesus, okay? Because you don't deserve that, and it probably won't last, okay? But that, that's really cool. Okay, but, but Jesus is the bread. Because that, that actually won't satisfy you forever. It, it won't be that way forever. Your body's going to break down. You can't get out of that. You're, you're not going to be well forever. Not in this life. But what about your inner man? Can there be a shalom on the inside of you that actually sustains you through whatever's happening on the outside? Yes. Yes, there can be. Why can there be? Well, again, it's believing Jesus here. What what, what do we know about him? Well, he's always on the throne. I, I am always beloved. It does not matter what is happening in my life. It doesn't matter if if I'm being applauded by everybody or they're about to light the fire to burn me at the stake. I am loved. By God. I I can never be more loved or less loved than this very moment by my Father. Like things are okay. Because of Jesus, again, all this is connected by faith. Because of Jesus, I I am right with the God of the universe. And he says, if if I am for you, then who can be against you? There's a shalom there. Ephesians 2, if you'll believe it, says, I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. 1 Peter 1 says, if you'll believe it, that you have an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading. Romans 8, if you'll believe it, says that he is working all things out for your good. All right, if you're believing those things, all is well. Well, yeah, but we got cancer. Ah, but still, all is well. Yeah, but I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. Yeah, but still, all is well. All is well. Because Jesus is the bread. All right, let's, let's, let's keep going. So what, what, do, what do we mean by things I desire? Okay, on the outside, what do, what do we desire? I, I don't know about you guys, a, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of success. Man, I think everybody desires that. We want to know whether it's, it's with our kids or our family or our job. or We want to know that we've done something that matters. Okay, again, on the outside, man, you might have it. Awesome for you. Praise God. Drop to your knees. Thank him for that. You, you, might, you might be doing some things that everybody says are really important. But I know this, that, that bread doesn't last. It just doesn't last. But in the inner man, Okay, think with me here. Again, all this is engaged by faith. In the inner man, inner man, here's what's happening. Well, here's what I know. Christ is bringing about his kingdom, and he said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, okay? So, like, we're winning, okay? Like, like, like it's happening, all right? And not only is it happening, but he has promised us that if we will sow seeds and be faithful, that we will have a harvest, Again, do you believe it or not? Like it's all engaged by faith, right? Like, like the Bible says, we shall reap if we do not give up. That's Galatians 6, 9. When we pray in his name, the Bible says you actually come before the throne of grace and whatever you ask in his name, you'll have it. Amen. Our prayer meetings on Sunday night are just invigorating. Just because I, I feel like, man, I... Whatever happens here, the kingdom is moving because of it. Like, I believe that. 
By the way, tonight we're not having it because of the worship night. Uh, did, did that get announced? Okay. Yeah, the worship night happens at the same time, and so it just seemed like we shouldn't do two events at the same time. So anyway, and hopefully we'll pray at the worship night. I'm not in control of that, but I would think we would, okay? Um, what, what, what else? On the outside, what do we crave? We crave hope. You, you, know, what, you know what people deeply want? They, they want to look forward to something. Um, nobody likes a life where, like, there's nothing to look forward to. It's like this gray, dismal grind every day. I mean, we, we, we want to we wanna anticipate good things. Like, we, we hope there's a promotion in the future. We hope there's a, a business idea coming together. We hope there's this family vacation where we'll all be together and it'll be great, great harmony, you know? We hope that, you know, our, our yard comes together this year. We hope that, right? Like people love having things to look forward to. This, this was an absolute idol in my life when I was young. I mean, I just would be obsessed, you know? I would start thinking about, we usually took one vacation a year. It was usually on the youth, youth group ski trip. That, that, was, that was kind of our, our getaway, I'd start thinking about that dude in July, you know, and dreaming about it, you know, I was just dreaming about what I was going to be. Okay, I don't know that any of that that you dream of is going to happen. Sorry. But in your inner man, are, are you seeing the trend? Are you seeing how this works? Again, it's all in faith. Okay, what, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says Christ is returning. He is returning. There's going to be a, a resurrection of the dead. Is, is that not kind of a cool thing to look forward to? Elmwood Cemetery opening up. People you knew. Winnie Tennant coming out of the grave. Man, that's exciting. Being caught up together with him in the air. Seeing Christ on, on the white horse with the armies of heaven coming, slaying the nations with the word of his mouth. The new heavens and the new earth. Behold, I make all things new. Fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Heavenly rewards. Even before that, the, expert, the expectation of the work of God in and through and around us. Like all that, that stuff I just mentioned, it's certain and sure. But then there's also this element to the Christian life where I, I, I can believe that God is at work. And so what's he doing? I was at a, a Bible study Friday night up here. I got to sit in, in and out as I was, I was helping with joy. And one of the things, I think it was David that said, he was like, just imagine the, the beggar in, in Acts 3 you know, who's going to the temple. What does he think about that day? Well, he's just like, well, another day of begging, you know. I hope I get a good spot. I hope there's lots of people that walk by, you know. Hope I can get a five or a 20, you know, enough to, you know, like, like he's got in his mind these things that might happen. What happened? Peter and Jay, John come up to him and like, hey, you know, he's like, do you, do you have something for me? He's like, yeah, well, we don't have money, but how about this, you know? Bam, you know, he's healed. Or how about the guy that was at the pool of Salome, you know? 38 years as an invalid being carried to the pool nobody to stir the waters he's not expecting anything jesus comes up that day take up your mat and walk man believing jesus as the bread satisfies the soul it satisfies the soul it creates new desires in us okay um, I love verses in the Psalm, Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, what's that, uh, 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Okay, what, what I believe is, is being said there is that the more you begin to feast on Jesus as bread, the more your appetite increases for him and the less your appetite increases for everything else. So you may be here this morning and you're like, man, I, I really like what you're saying, Pastor Jason, but like, honestly, I, I just don't want it very much, you know? What, what I really want is Instagram followers, you know? And what I really want is just lots of money. I feel like if I just had lots of money and I could, you know, we could build this little cabin out in the woods and, 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 I, and I could go on this world tour and, oh, that's what I want, you know? And I try to want the other, but, okay, you just need to wean yourself off, tea, off Twinkies and learn to eat T-bones. That, that, that's what you need to do. 
like slowly and persistently and consistently, you need to believe Jesus. And the more you believe him, the more all of a sudden this stuff's like, yeah, that, even if I got what I wanted, it wouldn't satisfy. So create new desires. And then finally, realize that it's not that we no longer hunger and thirst, okay? So I, I know that's what Jesus said, and, and I'm, I'm, he's, he's right, obviously, but let, let me try to explain what he's saying. So in verse 35, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So the idea that you just don't have any desires, well, that's kind of that's sad. Um, I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think that's what he's saying because... Because he also said in Matthew in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I think what he's saying is that he meets the desires. Like you always have a way to have your desires met. Okay, I I think I can prove that to you by what he says in a bunch of other passages. So John 4.14, remember this when he was talking to the the woman at the the well. In John 4.14, he says, whoever drinks of this water that I will give... Him will never be thirsty again. Okay, why? Why will they never? Will they just? They, will they not have any thirst again? No. Here's the reason why: the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's not that you don't have any desires; it's that Jesus puts a well inside of you, and you just drink. You see, you see what I'm saying? No desires is is kind of robotic. Like, like desires are good if they're for the right thing. And getting your desires fulfilled is exhilarating. And so Jesus is not saying, come to me and you'll never have any desires. He's saying, come to me, I'll change your desires. And by faith, you will drink deeply of this well inside of you. I think he said the same thing in John 7. John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit. Jesus is saying, basically, I'll put my Holy Spirit in you and by faith you will drink and keep drinking. You you will be satisfied on the inside by me over and over and over and over again. And so I I just leave you with this. What's in your blank? Okay, so... Jesus, I'm seeking you for, okay? If it's anything else, it, it's food that perishes. It rots. It molds. It doesn't satisfy. It bloats. It gives you diarrhea, okay? Like, it, it will not do it, okay? Only Jesus is the bread. And then, number two, are you eating and drinking of him? If you're not, like if, if you don't regularly come by faith and, and in the spirit and, and drink deeply of what he's done and what he's promised and what he will do, well, no wonder you, you don't have much of an appetite. You're, you're a spiritual anorexic, you know? You, you starve in yourself. No wonder you're weak on the inside. No, no wonder you give way to temptation so easily. You're not eating. You need to eat something. Let me be your spiritual grandma. You need to eat something. You know, let me fix you something. Here's, here's, here's the promise. Eat, eat. Here's what he said. Eat. Here's what he's done. Eat. Eat something. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being all that we need and all that we want forever and ever. And God, help us to come by faith, to come trusting and believing and confident that you are all that we ever need or could ever want and that you can satisfy our soul like nothing else can. Father, I pray, help people to believe today and to feast upon you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. You're our king. We can't wait till you come. In Jesus' name, amen.